This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Sean Krause, Jared Evans, Adam Connor, Robert Taylor, and Tyler Gibson. Something's wrong because I was able to pronounce everybody's name this week. Faithful spoiler rights with funny names. Help me, help me, help me. I got to do funny stuff. Anyway, this one goes out to you. Major Spoilers theme song. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. <laughs> Welcome to issue 466 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Booyaka! 466. Holy crap. We are racking them up uh, quite quickly there, Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I believe. Just, it is so just freaky <laughs> that you're looking over here with the little messy swoosh. Yeah. And the glasses and the beard mm-hmm. and the face. And I'm just and, like... And the film degree. And the film degree. <laughs> and the uh, big really, pedigree the of... the uh, you don't have is the, the success and the money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it's it's and, the and worst the part because so. I I, uh, I am a uh, messy-haired bad guy. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Peter Jackson's good times. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could look like worse people. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's Benicio definitely worse. Uh, Benicio del Toro. He's not the bad guy looking guy. Yeah, he gets he gets some play. I think. Yeah, I bet he gets a lot of play. <laughs> sure he does. Uh, Cat Halo uh, was uh, writing into us, and he says that he is reading uh, both at the same time. He's reading the uh, DC Crisis, uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earth, and he's also reading Zero Hour at the same time, which he does not like. Oh, Zero. God. He's not reading Zero. He doesn't like Zero Hour. Which is probably well, no. a good thing because it was terrible. Wasn't wasn't Zero Hour specifically kind Wave of like a writer, kind of like a cyst off of Infinite it was, Crisis? Zero, Zero Hour was an attempt to clean up all the mess that was created by Crisis on Zero Infinite Earths. Zero Hour Earth. was basically a correction. Essentially, the Crisis on Infinite Earths was an immense heart attack, and Zero Hour was the pacemaker that they used to try and get your arrhythmia out of your heart. But the problem that you have is that in, in so doing, it shocked and killed valuable and necessary cells mm. of your heart slash DC universe. Well, and then it also created so many other problems. Uh, well, Infinite Crisis did, especially with Hawkman. I mean, Hawkman has always been a screwed up crisis. Right. And so they were trying to fix that with Zero Hour with Wave Rider. He's the rider of waves. He sounds like a pretty cool dude. Do you have a wave? He will ride it. He was writing tachyons. Tachyons. Wave Rider was like Captain Planet without the cool factor. Yeah. Didn't he have a? What, did he have as, a? As a did he have a Skeets-like sidekick? I can't remember. No. All right. Oh, I'm think. I guess I'm thinking of when he. Oh, I'm thinking of that scene from uh, Fifty Two. I'm thinking of Fifty Two when they had Time Wave Rider trapped and Skeets showed up. Yes. And they killed him. Yes, that's what I remember. Skeets ate Wave Rider. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, Zero Hour. Ugh. Zero it's kind of cool, hour. though, because when you hit the Zero Hour cover issues, it was like they were all white because existence was being wiped out, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, ah! Oh, no. And then you had your five-year-later, was that during the five-year-later, or that when that rebooted Matthew, the Legion was in the five-year-later? The five-year-later. 
No, this was five years after that. Okay. The Legion rebooted in 89, but the end of the original Legion era and right. the, the debut of your Legion yes. came out of Zero Hour. The Archie Legion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that because that's right about the time where I was like, I'm going to start reading the Legion of Superheroes because I like this art. Yeah, I, I started reading that. I was like, I really like the art, and I think that's when Mark Wade was writing it, correct or not? Yeah, Wade launched it with um, that it, guy. Yeah, I forget who, but... Uh, I want to say Chris Sprouse and Amoy, but I mean... Oh, yeah, I was one of the Moys, that's right, because that's, that's the art that I fell in love with, and I was like, oh, I've got to read more of this. And I also like what Wade is doing with The Flash, so I will also read this. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, kind of like your question, Matthew, uh, earlier this week where you asked about the uh, Honey Boo Boo directors um, <laughs> in the question of the day. It's kind of like that. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people follow writers and artists specifically because of the writer and the artist. Doesn't matter what book they're working oh, yeah. on. They'll go in and follow that. So, But uh, to, the, uh, that. to the core of uh, Cat Halo's uh, question. Zero Hour is actually probably the first big event I remember reading at the time. What was the first that you guys remember reading? Rodrigo? Um, well, I I probably read uh, Secret War first. But the first event that I was reading as it was coming out was actually Zero Tolerance, which was an ex- like just an, a cross Xbox yeah. event. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, With Bastion. Yeah, with Bastion, and that's the one that introduced Maggot and Cecilia Reyes and Marrow. They didn't introduce yeah. Marrow, but it brought her into the X Men and things like the that. And, and bas- yeah, and basically, to most people, what I just said was because that is a portion, that is a period of time of the X Men that just fell. Is that where Gloop was just, appeared or whatever nope. his name is? That is prior no, to Gloop. Dupe. Oh, yeah, that okay. is prior to Dupe. Dupe is, Dupe is awesome, and he came out of Ecstatics. Yep. Which is a later era. Which is that era? Which is one is of the. Which is. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's the first time that uh, North Star became an X Man right around that time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the stuff that followed that was a really experimental time for the X Men, and I think it kind of ended up culminating in the Morrison X Men, where then they just try to shove everything <laughs> kind of back into yeah. some form of cohesion. But yeah, I mean, you got the X, was it X-Factor first and then became the X-Statics? You got yes. like Muty, as, that was just a book called Muty that was kind of like yeah. and, like exploring the X-Men universe and, and all kind that stuff. Kind of Vertigo X-Men. Almost. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, all, all that stuff was cool, but it was kind of a reaction to Zero Tolerance like not being all that important or, or all or that good. good. Yeah, definitely. For me, I was just being a somewhat casual pick up a comic book here and there kind of reader at the time uh, when this event happened. Uh, but when I heard about this event, it suddenly threw me headlong um, into uh, into headlong. comic book reading uh, down the highway, um, riding the waves, <laughs> wave rider. Um, but it was Death in the Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here was this thing about they're going to kill Robin and only you can save him or kill him by calling this 1-800 number. And uh, I remember seeing that in the newspaper and I was like, oh my God, what is this? They're killing Robin. I need to go out and rush and get this. And so um, these were in the, they weren't prestige, but they were like 48 page specials. These as, as this buildup, I forget how many pages were in it, but they were much thicker uh, books in this four arc death in the family where the Joker goes. He's the, uh, 
He's the um, uh, ambassador to Libya, I think. Iran. Or, Iran. Okay. And because of diplomatic immunity, um, he's able to kill Robin and get away with it. And Batman is arrives too light, late as uh, yeah. the building that Jason Todd is tied up in after the Joker bludgeons him to death with a crowbar, blows it up. Actually, he wasn't dead uh, when the building, um, after he bludgeoned him to death. But the building blew up with Jason Todd inside and this shot of Batman walking out of the flames, carrying Robin in his arms and crying. Uh, that's when I really got into Batman because I was like, wow, this is some pretty brutal stuff. This is not my Adam West Batman. And uh, Cesar Romero, man, what he can do with a, with a crowbar. You got to stay away from this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's when I really started getting into comics. And that was probably my first big event, even though really it was about a four- Four issue series, I think, or four issue arc in that Death in the Family. Um, four twenty six through four twenty nine. Twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty. Yeah, four issues. Um, yeah. And it was just this thing that was like, oh my gosh! And then, you know, seeing the introduction of of Tim Drake and you know going through that. But I think after that, I don't know what big event came after that for me. But I do remember that that was kind of that event that propelled me into really reading comics. Zach? First event was my also first thing. It, it was Countdown to it Final was, Crisis. It no, Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Oh, my yeah, God. It's not, it's not even Countdown, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was Flashpoint. Uh, yeah, the first Zach single, the first single issue I ever bought was uh, Flashpoint number two because I hadn't figured out when new comics came out yet. And the, by the time I got to the store, they were already sold out. So I read Flashpoint 2, but then I eventually did read Flashpoint 1. Uh, read some of the tie-ins. The, uh, Were you the already working for us? No. When uh, Flashpoint came out? Uh-uh. No? Okay. I was, I, you know, it was like... You were just sitting in my class sit- with those big puppy dog eyes yeah, going, yeah. someday I want to be just oh, like you, Mr. Schleicher. I want to be just like you. Please teach me everything. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'll just buy some razors yes. for my head. So he just, like, pulls out this giant box of donuts. <laughs> like, ah, ah. And starts shaving his head right yeah. uh, Seriously, this kid is pretty skinny. Yeah, he is. You need to eat some donuts, Zach. I love yeah, I, have, I literally have done. Uh, Rob and I had a discussion about Christmas. Wait till your, uh, wait till your, uh, what's the thing here? Uh, goiter, your wait, jaw? No, not your not your goiter, but the thing that triggers oh, your, your goiter. gland. Yeah, whatever the not hypothalamus, oh, the uh, thyroid. Thyroid. Wait till your thyroid fails, and then you're gonna blow up just like me. I don't want to blow up. It sounds yep. horrible. <laughs> and, and the the good thing is it happens overnight while you're asleep. Okay. Oh, yeah, you the bad thing morning. is you have to rush out that's, and buy that's only kinda, a brand new wardrobe. That's how it kind of felt to me. It's like one morning I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh my god, I'm fat. <laughs> yeah. I, how do you think I felt? One morning I looked in the mirror and I was Peter Jackson. <laughs> Matthew, but I what still about, can't do the accent. Matthew, what about you? What uh, event? Tr- what big uh, event triggered your your comics that you, that you remember? Young Zach, what year were you born? The year of nineteen. The year of our Lord nineteen ninety one. My God, I was already. Uh, tell me what you want. Rodrigo, what you really, what really want? You tell me what you want. What you really, really want? I was born in nineteen eighty three. Awesome. Schleicher, say something <laughs> so I don't feel so old before I do this. We do, we do, we Remember the files? Okay. Hey. I, I started my very first comic ever. Well, not your first comic ever. Uh, the question is, which, no, what's no, no, the no, event no, no, that you remember? Okay. The sentence is starting. Okay. 
comma, <laughs> yep. my very first comic ever was in 1979. It was Shogun Warriors number one. My first big, um, I guess, epic crossover series was the first big epic crossover series, June of 1982, Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions, which was initially supposed to be Marvel superheroes go to the 1980 Summer Olympics. It was written and drawn as one of the big giant treasury size editions. And then in 1980, Jimmy Carter actually had America sit out the Summer Olympics to protest the Russian invasion, I believe, of Afghanistan. Yes. So the book kind of went ba-boom. But it was the first place we saw guys like uh, Talisman, who was the stereotypical Australian hero, and uh, the Irish hero, uh, what was her name? Uh, she had a shamrock. Oh, Shamrock. Mm. And uh, Le Peregrin, who was French, and Defensor, who was Spanish, and just all sorts of terrible guys. Oh, the Chinese guy was called the Collective Man. I'll let that sink in. Um, the Arabian guy was the Arabian Knight. But basically, it took all the characters that we knew, the Fantastic Four, the Hulk, the Captain Americas, and these guys, and threw them into this battle at the behest of the Grandmaster. Um, who is, I think, one of the brothers of the Collector. And it just basically is three pages of fighty-fighty and walls of dialogue that will make you blush. There's a there's an interaction between the Fantastic Four's uh, Invisible Woman and Iron Fist where she is like, I do not know this strange man. In my job as the mother figure of the Fantastic Four, I have never interacted with him. And then his thought balloon goes, wow, I, comma, the Iron Fist, comma, the last, <laughs> the last fighter of the hidden city of Kunlun have heard of this invisible woman, but have never met her before. It was, I mean, it's I that level of greatness. <laughs> Contest of Champions uh, was also the first limited series that Marvel Comics ever did. It was the first thing that was intentionally designed to end rather than, you know, just getting canceled like, oddly enough, Shogun Warriors. Interesting. Yeah. Remember Kool-Aid Man and Spider-Man fighting together at one no, point? No, Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> go, go look it Why up. Why do you hate It was like one of these Kmart Why giveaway comic books. <laughs> Why? Go, go look it up. Of that thing. <laughs> you don't have to look it up. I own it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not imagining it, but I do remember coming out of Kmart one day with Spider-Man and Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> Yes, it, it's awful. It's awful, and you should feel bad. I also have the only appearance of Combo Man, who was, uh, remember Combos, the uh, little snacks? Um, Combo Man had oh, the yeah, powers good... of all the crappy 90s heroes. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to track down Google this, uh, I'm trying to track down the Kool-Aid Man, Spider-Man thing right now. I'll give you a copy, jeez. <laughs> I, I just totally remember that. I'll give you a. I'm not kidding. I own multiple copies. I'm just trying to. I'm just flashing back because even then I was like, I went. That would have been like '78 or something like that. '76 maybe, '77, '78. Because I remember it was like young, and just remember looking at this and going, "This is crap." Uh-huh. <laughs> and my mom was like, "Well, we can get another copy if you want." I was like, "No, <laughs> don't want another copy." Uh, but I thought Kool-Aid Man was kind of cool. Kool-Aid. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Young, young Zach. What's up? Uh, is there a an event series in the comics that you want to read 
that you've heard One, Matthew and I three. or Rodrigo expound upon that uh-huh. you uh, uh, that you're like, man, after listening to their discussion of Secret Wars two. I want to go out and oh, grab that. Did we ever even do Secret No, Wars we have too? not. And we will never do Secret <laughs> Wars 2 until I have another day where I miss in six years. <laughs> oh, Jeez. let's see. They have to be uh, someone old. Now, come on. I re- it doesn't have to be someone Flash old. Flashpoint. Flashpoint. <laughs> I, I actually never. Everything is old. Age I of never, Apocalypse is old. I never actually him. finished Flashpoint because our store sucks. That's okay. I didn't finish it either, and I got all the issues oh. sitting around here somewhere. Um, let's see. I know. It's old. I read everybody. the Judas Contract the other weekend. That was pretty good. Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah, I felt like if I would have read the issues before it, the whole, like, oh, she's a traitor thing would have been more impactful. Yeah. yeah. Cause that was kind of that was kind of early on. It was like, oh nope, she's a traitor. Uh, okay. Yep. Um, let's see. And now everybody gets new costumes. Yeah. Oh yeah, because isn't that the first thing in Nightwing? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that was cool. Love it. That is one of my favorite pages in comics. Where like don't call leading, me Robin. Leading up to yeah. it, he's I'll like be Wave Rider. <laughs> leading up to it, he's like making his new costume, and he's like, I am combining both of my mentors. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. bad. Man thing and the Superman thing. I am now reborn. I am a new superhero. I am Knight. Who the hell is that? <laughs> this is Jericho, a guy you will never see again. <laughs> I just like it is just because a, this, nobody could draw that costume. Yeah, it is just a perfect example, like just so amazingly stolen the thunder of like a forty-year-old character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just. Yep. <laughs> do you have Do you have a favorite event series, Rodrigo? Um, you know, despite what everybody says, I actually really did enjoy Age of Apocalypse. And did, we, did we review that? We reviewed part of it. We reviewed, I think, the beginning of it. We re- reviewed the wrong part of it or something? Because well, I didn't are, know what order these no, things were supposed Age to be Age of Apocalypse <laughs> spreads across all of the X-Books. So yeah. to review the entirety of Age of Apocalypse, we <laughs> would have had to review X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, which like got transmogrified yeah, like into like astonishing X Men. What did we review here on the show? That was like a weird volume that was we, out of order. We reviewed the volume zero that was all the crap that was right, ancillary. Right. Oh, okay, no yeah, wonder I didn't yeah, like it. it. Was, yeah, it was like um, it wasn't even it wasn't even necessary. Yeah, it was basically it was the Silmarillion, basically of the Age of so, Apocalypse. So what I liked about it was the that they basically went through and change the design of a lot of these characters yeah, yeah yeah and we've got we got some awful stuff out of the age of apocalypse like sugar man and alternate beast and x-man who i actually all three of those think are kind of stupid characters but i you know for example the design of sunfire people like so much that eventually that actually became the design for sunfire mm. um yeah I liked, you know, weird monastic juggernaut. I liked the fact that Psylocke wasn't in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yay! A, yay! There are a lot of there are a lot of cool little things, little continuity nods, little things. You know, it's like you know, there's kind of that back and forward of here's what's changed, here's what stays the same. You know, most of the characters from Generation X are are still hanging out together. But there's new characters. There's brand new characters that you had never seen before. And unfortunately, you see again because there's no way that they were going to get rid of Blink. Um, She was a smash hit. 
But yeah, I mean, I actually enjoyed Age of Apocalypse a lot. Matthew, do you have a favorite big uh, event? Yeah, being who I am, though, you've probably never heard of it. It's it's totally <laughs> yeah. I moved to Canada uh, after I read yeah. it and died, so it's not like you can it's go up there and pick true. up no. a copy. Uh, Mine is probably uh, well, it's it it might be the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, or it might be the Avengers Defenders War from nineteen seventy three or seventy four. Uh, which is the first time that I actually read some of these characters. Um, early on in my Marvel Comics reading, I got hooked on the Defenders and went to get Defenders back issues from Pat's book nook in Salina. And I bumped into this Avengers Defenders War, which basically had the Defenders consisting of Namor, the Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, the Hulk, uh, oddly enough, Hawkeye, and uh, the Valkyrie, bumping heads with the Avengers led by Iron Man and Captain America. And it was the first time I was exposed to, you know, Captain America and Iron Man. And to some degree, the first time I was exposed to the Silver Surfer. And it was something that really made that whole Marvel universe as a place where these people knew each other. And as a shared universe, it made it really tick for me. I really kind of enjoyed that whole bit. And I, you know, I got all the issues of the Defenders that I could find which eventually was all of them. And I've been a Defenders reader ever since. And I, you know, I can take or leave the Avengers depending on who's doing the writing. But it was, it was a nice story that tied together all of these various backstories. And it was one of the first times that you see all of these characters coming together and feeling like it's a unique, unified universe for me, mm. which really is what the big crossover Schmageggy is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, you know, it's it's pretty um, obvious that I, I read a lot of DC when I was younger, uh, and I just got so into it that I was picking up every, and of course now that I try to Google DC annual events, I get DC, Washington DC's major annual events. <laughs> um, but I was trying to, you know, there was these times where every summer they would take their annuals and turn them into major events. So that's right. where we got Wave Rider. <laughs> Ratter of waves. Come on, Jimmy. We got to get on the tachyon flow. Um, and then they had that one that uh, introduced Garth Sen- Garth Ennis's uh, the guy with the uh, dark glasses, the Hitman. Bloodlines. Yeah, yeah Bloodlines. Blood that one wasn't too From bad. 95. That it one was wasn't awful. too bad. Uh, we awful. got the Garth Ennis character, which was pretty cool. It was awful. Um, there were sixty-four new characters. Yeah, yeah that were introduced. In that yeah, which was. And you know what? We got the Garth Ennis character. I forget who else came out of that. I, I really, honestly, don't Nobody remember anybody that that. Uh, Nightblade, uh, Jinx, Myriad. Yeah. Let's see. I, I mean, I just remember getting and going. Oh, here's this cool ball. thing. Well, it may have been one. Uh, Taco Joe. I, I remember reading that going, oh, there's some cool stories in here, and Screech let's see what, what continues, but nothing continued <laughs> in that. Did you catch the fact that the aliens were the seven deadly sins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 whatever. Duck walls. I'm trying to think what came well, out after <laughs> duck walls. <laughs> Alcoa duck walls. Proud sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> Stand back, citizen. I will stop him with my duck walls. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me, my mallards. He'll <laughs> <laughs> um, show us all how to get down. Get uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Guys are terrible. 
What is going on here? Looks like something foul. <laughs> Don't worry, citizen. I'll put it on my bill. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you weren't counting on my sidekick, Ducky, to help me. But you know what they say, (laughs) birds of a feather flock together. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Uh, Peter Jackson cracks himself up every time. I do have the hiccups now. Serves you right. Drink some of that here's uh, a, cola, here's citizen. Here's the funny, no, I'm out. Here's the funny thing, though, is that it wasn't that... <laughs> Young Zach, the adults are talking. Go get a drink for Rodrigo. It wasn't that, it wasn't okay. that funny, kidding, it wasn't that funny to me until Matthew just burst out laughing. <laughs> I was like, you know, now that I think about it... <laughs> I just imagined him having the powers of Bunker from Teen Titans. <laughs> Except they're ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brick walls. Yep. Speaking of uh, lame characters, I hear Vive is coming back and getting his own series. I'll be, I'll be back. I'm going to go get That's something. That's fine. Drink. I love Vive. Uh, my, uh, so my big end up, I'll, I'll say this, my favorite event series has to be, and probably will be for a long, long time, 52. That very first initiative, not countdown to 52, not countdown to Final Crisis, but 52, the thing that started off uh, being a, a gimmick that DC tried once a week, let's see how long we can do it, and totally tied in almost everything from the DC universe you ever remember, these little bits and pieces where people were popping up, you know, some character that you haven't seen in 90 years suddenly pops up yep. in one panel and is gone. Uh, and I just still find that that event was phenomenal i think to me that is the apex of dc comics right there and after that everything was downhill i would say it's definitely an an apex um for me 52 (laughs) had a couple of minor issues to it but the main thing that it really had going for it was that one year later shtick where right 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 the the time skip was there and they had to fill in the missing issues now granted uh, Jim Shooter did the same thing in 86 with Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. But um, and until it came to the point that they had to really rush at the last three issues to shove in all the changes that they forgot that they had done, I mean, that series had some really great stuff for it. And I, I it redefined Steel and, I'd say, Elongated Man, and then killed him. And then the question, and then killed him. And uh, Vibe was in it, I think. They were. They I mean, all of them were in there. Uh, uh, Apache Chief was in there. Um, Skeets turns evil was in Super that fifty-two. Chief. Super Chief, Apache Chief, yeah. uh, Ambush Bug, Master Ambush Chief. Bug, Master Chief was probably in there in a panel. <laughs> Hello, citizens. Would you like to learn more? I was thinking <laughs> Halo is very much a Starship Troopers kind of. Uh, yeah, I can definitely mm-hmm. see that. The, I don't know. There's something about Halo where I think that they designed a lot of cool things, and they were like, well. Let's just make everything super easy. So we have three kinds of monsters, mm-hmm. and they have like a very obvious relationship. It's been so long since I've played Halo. I love Halo. Wasn't it so that? So here are what were the what were the bad guys that you're fighting in the first Halo? The flood. Duck walls. No, and... those were the things that they unlocked on the ring. Okay, yeah, and then you had like the, the Reach. The GLaDOS. Yeah, no, that's just a planet. No, oh, that was okay. another planet entirely. Oh, okay. You had like the Hunters and the Jackals. And the Elite. What was that species called? 
What's that species? Glados. Do you remember the the aliens? Because oh you like it, you you guys are fighting, and that's yeah, what was real. And it's been so long since I played this. I mean, this was the la- really the last time I played Xbox at any in any length of time. But it's like there's this buildup of yes, here's these two conflicting parties, and then of course you crash land on the, r- the ring, mm-hmm. and then the covenants. You know, you're you're fighting over this, and then all of a sudden you unlock it. And then the flood just comes mm-hmm. out. Right, and right. I remember playing that and going, oh, my God, they're and coming. They're everywhere. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like they're everywhere. <laughs> game over, man. Game over. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of that moment. I kind of really got a kick out of out of that uh, in that. But, yes, yeah, so for some reason, I always that moment always strikes me as that uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Um, like we are in over our heads yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah. But then also just the whole militaristic society mm-hmm. that is portrayed in both Halo and in Starship Troopers, it's like citizen. If you would like to vote, be be sure you can serve right, in the you military. Have to be in the military to vote. Would you yeah. like to know more? Right. You know the this uh, idea though of, um, and we're just in an election. We're not going to get into politics or anything. But you know, at one point, the Starship Troopers, and I forget what year that takes place in the movie, not necessarily the book, but it was this vision of the future mm-hmm. that was. You got to be careful because here's what's going to happen to the world in the future. Right. And it really, and again, I don't know what year Buenos it is. Aires is going to be full of white people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, a lot of uh, a lot of Argentinians have very light very skin. Light skin. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, Matthew, oftentimes these visions of the future that we see portrayed in movies just mm-hmm. come and go so quickly. I remember the year I was 14 and it's like, Oh my God! This is your big brother comes out because Orwell wrote that book, nineteen eighty four and nineteen forty eight. Hadn't read that book. Oh yeah, yeah, we yeah. Actually, we had that was like that was like a freshman level book. So we had read it in nineteen eighty four, and everyone's nice. like, "Oh, nineteen eighty four is going to be a big uh, Orwellian Ooh, year." Stuff, kids. But I don't. The only thing I remember from nineteen eighty four is that that woman with uh, running down the that, aisle that, with that, a giant hammer and throwing it at. Uh, at the big blue the screen. screen, and that's the only I'm thing I remember. Sure that was an Apple commercial, and but I don't remember anything that Orwell <laughs> said in his book actually coming to pass in that way. Mm. Now, granted, <laughs> you could <laughs> certainly you could walk through the London streets and might feel that's differently true. with everyone watching sure. you. But um, yeah. even when we look at Brazil, you know that dystopian yeah, future right. of Brazil. Thank God it's yeah. not happened. Matthew, are there other visions of the future that? Uh, that would have passed us by or have yet to come to pass or oh. or things that we are so close to, like uh, hoverboards that hmm. we're not going to uh, see the in the next three years? Well, the one that got me, I was actually, um, I had to fill up an empty space in my uh, collector's, uh, my big case this weekend. And I try to put, you know, big books in there, like first appearances or last appearances or, you know, big key issues. And one of the ones that I grabbed was Astonishing Tales 25, the first appearance of Deathlock, the Demolisher. Now, most people think Deathlock comes out of the 90s. That was the second incarnation. The first one from 1974 takes place in the terrible future world of 1990. (laughs) (laughs) And I read that, and I'm like, I don't remember any. I was probably having a sandwich. Um, But it was, you know, 1990 was this futuristic dystopia. Everything was destroyed. It was post-nuclear war. And Luther Manning had this computer and they were flying cars and bubble aliens. And remember when the earth um, or when the moon blew up in 1999? 
I remember that. Do you remember when the Jupiter 2 launched in 1997 and the Robinson family was lost forever? <laughs> Do you remember when Buck Rogers lifted off in, uh, uh, was it 1996? 1970. No, 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 it was 1996 or something. 1996, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that same year when Khan Noonien Singh started the eugenics, <laughs> the eugenics war, war and took over all of Asia? Do you remember that? <laughs> Or even, do you remember back in 85 when Unicron came and tried to eat our whole planet, but luckily the giant robots from space came and saved us? Do you remember when uh, Pan Am would take you up to the uh, space station in 2001? Yeah. that That's the thing. I was watching Transformers the movie recently. I love that movie. The cartoon, the actual Transformers colon the movie, not that Michael Bay right, right, abortion. Right. But it also deserves uh, a place it starts in colon. with the horrifying... <laughs> It is the year 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. That was like seven years ago. And I don't have my little transforming personal mecca. And, you know, I don't have flying cars and cities that turn into robots. And I'm just, I'm, I'm filled with anger. Do, do you really get anger. angry? Do you get really get angry at that? Or do you, are you uh, afraid that uh, that 30 I, seconds into the future has yet to come? And 30 seconds from now, we could be living with Max Headroom. What year was Max Headroom? That was like 1986, seven, something like that. Yeah, but Max Not Headroom was always out. like... Yeah, but no, the, yeah, the, the tag in that was right. 30 seconds into the future. Yeah, it was like, this is almost here. Like, right, this right, will right. be here. This will be tomorrow. Yeah, and, and that's how they opened it up, right. 30 seconds into the future. But the Max Headroom show was set like in the year 1990-something. No, no, it was set 30 seconds into the future. <sighs> I'm pretty sure that was that was the time period. That was the tagline. Taglines are not always literally true. Ronald McDonald does not own that house down by the hospital. He might. He might. In 2011, magic came back to the world, according to Shadowrun. Oh, I remember that. Yes, up until uh, yeah. right up until right before then, oh, I'm sorry, um, not thirty. Mega corporations had finally yeah. accomplished the ability to be recognized as sovereign entities, and yep. thus make up their own laws and their territories. And then magic comes back to the world. A dragon becomes president. Whoa. Holy crap! You and then everything goes nuts. Green? It's made of people. <laughs> Max Headroom, oh, 20 minutes into the future, not 30 seconds. Into the that's future. the year 2022. That's less than a decade from now. We're going to be eating the body of Edward G. Robinson. Um, Next Tuesday, AD. <laughs> it's not too distant future. That's true. But I don't think, yeah. you know, when, it, I don't know, it's par- partly sad that some of those things, maybe not flying cars may never be a possibility, but the space exploration thing that we see in 2001 mm-hmm. 2010, um, uh, the the you know the zip cars and the gravitating hoverboards that we mm-hmm. see and the automatic shoelaces the that tubes we see that they have in Futurama the tubes that well that's like takes place thousand two thousand three thousand yeah a thousand years thousand years it's all, Futurama is always literally a thousand years in the mm-hmm. future so they can continue to make fun of what's happening now right 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 so it's like two thousand like yeah it's like three thousand nine three thousand ten and so on yeah. Zach do you want to play this game or are you too young. I'm sure he's seen stuff. Uh, I've seen stuff, yeah. No. Moved to Canada. I mean, I'm sure I've seen something that's in the future, but I can't remember. I know I know every I know about three times a year everyone says this is the year back to the future happens. Right, 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 right That right. happens a lot. That no, they're all but wrong. But it's, it's wrong. Yeah, they're all wrong. Um I can't the only thing I can think of right now in the future is Looper. 
Well, well, and that's uh, it's, and you, I mean, it's close. Bruce, Bruce Willis time travel movie, Twelve Monkeys, yeah, yeah. also happens fairly recently in the future. Like I don't remember. Yeah, it's like two years ago is when it happened. But when you think about it, I mean, the year nineteen ninety must have seemed in nineteen seventy four like the far flung future, or you know, at Khan Singh taking over the Earth twenty years from now. I don't necessarily know that anybody thinks that what they're creating is going to last for Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, you know, uh, um, George Orwell, when he did the 1984, it was 1948 and he just flipped the numbers and his thinking was, oh, we'll never be around in, in 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, the 12 Monkeys. written it as 1948. 12 Monkeys story takes place in the future, 2035. Bruce Willis uh, is supposed to be sent back to 1996 when this great disaster happened. Right. He's sent back to 1990 instead. Right. So, um, iRobot happens ways from now still. Still a long ways from now. I think it is. Yeah. Are you talking about the Heinlein story or are you talking about that Will Smith got off? The, the Will Smith, Mill Smith apparently got off. Excuse me, thing. Asimov. I've, thousands of people just screamed at me. I know it's Asimov. I'm sorry. I was thinking for a moment about Michael Valentine Smith. Please forgive me. I just had some. Sorry, imaginary people it. were yelling in my head. But Matthew, does that really agitate you? I mean, it's. I think it, what you were saying, Rodrigo, is essentially that people aren't are thinking that it's so far away when right. really it's not. Well, or that... Because uh, well, here's the uh, thing. Looper takes place 40 years from now. Right. So there's this there's this thing that you know the suspension of disbelief in some in a work that takes place in the real world is mm-hmm. much more difficult right so a lot of these things are set in the future mm-hmm. but you have to be very precise about how far in the future you set something right star trek yeah. super far in the future right, right? i mean you can't yep. like all of the it's creators like four or were 500 like, years from yeah now. all of the creators were like we can't possibly be alive when this actually is the the case otherwise people are just going to yell at us right Mm -hmm. and it makes sense because basically star trek is magic everything in star trek is magic they have magic guns magic communication devices magic things that make food for you it's a post-scarcity economy Mm -hmm. before a post-scarcity economy was well i don't know maybe people were already thinking about that at that point but it kind of embodies that right of where you know resources are not an issue which is beyond our ken as as humans living in the in the 21st century um but some other stuff where you actually want the characters to have guns like regular projectile weaponry or you want there to still be cars or you want there to still be planes you have to set it pretty close in the future you know minority report can't be 300 years in the future because you would expect things to be significantly different. And of course, now that I've said that, someone's going to look it up and it's going to be like, oh, Minority Report takes place exactly in the year 2312. <laughs> well, um, I, I forgot who that. wrote Minority Report. Oh, uh, uh, Philip uh, K. K. Dick. Dick. He did a lot of that stuff that was set in uh, time periods that were relatively close by to where we were at. And so that does kind of fall into some... And you always get that, right? So, uh, you know, in superhero comics, bringing it back to that thing that we like a lot... What? um, You always see that every time Iron Man gets a new origin, it's like, I will use the power of bulbs! Or I will yeah. use the power of transistors! <laughs> or I will use and the power... And they pow- keep moving his war. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. For a while, it was Vietnam, and then mm-hmm. for a while, it was the tail end of Vietnam, right, and then right. it was an unnamed Middle Eastern conflict, right. some and kind then of it was like the thing first Iraq Afghan, war. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And you know that happens. That that's the Marvel universe, right? I mean, Ben Grimm and uh, Mister Fantastic are always war veterans of some kind. Right. They just keep sliding which war they fought in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Um, they both voted for uh, Franklin Roosevelt, according to continuity. Now yeah, there you go. But then you also have things like you know. The Legion of Superheroes is the farthest future team that I can think of in terms of comic books, but it's also DC the one, one million. The furthest. No. <laughs> Shut up! I I said superhero <laughs> team, not drug induced <laughs> fantasy. But you go and you look at that, and in in many Spider-Man ways, the Legion of Superheroes reality <laughs> is sillier and more fifties yeah, than yeah, yeah. the contemporary comic books of the time. Yeah. You know, the stuff they were doing in the Legion with uh, rocket packs and uh, magical ice cream pills and, you know, everybody turning into contractually turning into a toddler three times a year. All of that stuff is goofy because they can get away with it. It's in the future. You didn't necessarily expect that the future would be dark and gritty like today. And now it seems like the Legion's future is always dystopian. There's always some evil thread going through it, and well, nothing is as, as weird and bright as it seems. But and and we've talked I about want that. My, I want my Jetsons flying car. Yeah, and and we've talked about that before of how each iteration of the future, especially when you do have a property like the Legion that continues uh, to exist over several decades, you can see each version of the Legion become the future of that era. You know, I talked about Shadowrun earlier when Shadowrun was created. Pretty sure it was the 80s, or pretty yeah. close. So basically... Future of the tail end of the 80s. Right, so everything in Shadowrun is super Blade Runner, you guys. It's like so Blade Runner, right? <laughs> but now, if you read the modern books, everything's all enhanced reality and Google Glasses and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, and interestingly enough, they basically just went with it. Like, they, they're also sliding the timeline. So the past of the world of... The current world of Shadowrun... It is the future of the 80s, and right now we're in the future of the aughts, basically. So that actually creates that really cool (laughs) idea of, yeah, the future just continues to really generate this very disjointed technological ideas because, you know, as as, as things change, there's no, like, direct source of, like, how did we go from guys having, like, giant uh, chip cards in their brains Mm -hmm. to really nobody having anything installed, just kind of doing this, like, cool, like... Like Jordy LaForge visor, and that's how you yeah, get yeah. around kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, and the uh, the thing that always sticks with me is uh, with me. That's not even a word. Me, me is. <laughs> Are we still Star talking Trek about Enterprise. the moist? Yeah, the moist. In, in Star Trek Enterprise in two thousand and five, five was the past of the future of nineteen sixty six. But by two thousand five, five, we had cellular phones, mm-hmm. and the cellular phones that we had in that time were smaller than the communicators that they used in the future of the past. So Star Trek Enterprise had to simultaneously be the future of 19 or 2005 while being the past of the future from 1966. So you saw them trying to strike that balance between 1966 technology as it was seen by Gene Roddenberry as still being in the future, the warp drive, the transporter, all of that, but trying to create something that still realistically felt futuristic to the world 40 years down the line of the original vision, which is still technically in their future. 
I think that's why that show failed, honestly. I mean, there's a... Was because... <clears throat> Go ahead. No, you're good. Okay. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that is a big deal because of the internet. Basically, there's this huge wall in the, in the science fiction timeline of works that were written before the internet was a thing or was starting to creep up and works that were written afterward, you know, because in Forbidden Planet, well, yeah, Forbidden Planet and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's like the the access the automatic access to information was something that nobody knew was eventually going to happen well some right. some guys knew um but it it really has changed the way that people think about science fiction because from here on out you can't not have the internet unless specifically your science fiction dystopian future is the internet crashes right, 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 right. Uh, all the all the electricity leaves the world and somehow that's you right. can't build new radiators that's kind of the problem that i have with a lot of william gibson uh stuff mm-hmm. because he was writing stuff back in the 80s and then the internet came along and it, and just totally blew out <laughs> Yeah. Well, Johnny Mnemonic and blew out, but but know, also the, but also simultaneously not for the, you know, jacking yourself into right, the right, web right. part, but also for for some of like the privacy invasion stuff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You yeah. know, in a way was, uh, that that uh, what do I want to say that um, uh, futurist like l- literal futurist aspect that you want out of your science fiction that thing right, where right. they foretell the the actual events even if they're way more overdone because mm-hmm. let's face it you want to have a cool sky car fight right right right, right? right 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 but but the important thing is not that somebody's wearing a suit that makes them look like Wynonna Ryder is that the government is forcing people to work at a farm right because they're druggies right are there any uh right. books or stories that you remember that have actually come to pass oh yeah there are, I mean, there are tons of them. First of all, if you look at um, the existence of the flip cellular phone, I think is entirely because of oh, Star, yeah, Star Trek. Trek yeah, sure. series. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we see people talking about what they want to create or technological advances, we are going to see somebody try to create a lightsaber because they already have one. Good Lord, they already have you? one. Yep. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's cool. That's fascinating. Somebody's going to try and create themselves a transporter. You know, that that to me works. But if you look at things like, I don't know. Well, but I mean, something that has a a specific set deadline, like by 2022, we will all be living on Mars. Dun, 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 dun. There was a, there have been, there was one guy. And it's, if you if you have read uh, science fiction classics illustrated, uh-huh. it's a it's a great little at least one of the volumes that I saw. It's the one that has War of the Worlds. It talks about this one guy who wrote this story, and it like um, foretells the radio, mm-hmm. like which I guess when the story was written hadn't been invented yet, which is insane. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like the internet in the you're, same you're story. About Ju- Jules Verne. No, it wasn't Jules Verne. I think it was some other guy. But it's it like chronicles the the day of this one guy in the future, oh, okay. and it basically like he's like, and in the future, people will be able to broadcast sounds at each other and things like that. Hmm. Um, but also, it has like all this information dissemination stuff because he works at a newspaper. Oh, okay. And he's like, they have ways of getting the newspaper out to everybody, which is the freaking internet. Mm-hmm. It's just like amazing. Yeah. 
And cool. now, and of course, I'm just talking in like incredibly vague terms because I don't remember <laughs> what the guy's name yeah. was. Well, and they the story was probably written in vague terms too because when they get to the point where they're trying to quantify what the future will be like, we get stuff like the '60s uh, Gold Key Star Trek comics, right? Where Starfleet Command was run by punch card computers, right? 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 Yeah. Because that's the natural future of the technology that they're seeing. The cards were bigger. Oh, what was it? Oh, was it? I was watching Star Trek because I've, I've started watching um, The Next Generation from the beginning. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's Just a trip. Like, uh, that's, a, that's a whole that's a whole nother discussion because I used to watch it when I was significantly younger. Right. It came out in like 87. Right. Um, right. And there are things that I remember about it and things that I do not remember about it. And it is amazing how important some of the things that I do not in any way remember are. Let me ask you this. But we'll get back to that momentarily. Basically, my story is somebody brings up a tape in Star Trek. And I'm like, tapes? We're trying (laughs) to get rid of tapes right now. (laughs) Tapes are like the barnacle that won't go away from video production. Please tell me there are not going to be tapes in Star Trek. Do you ever watch Red Dwarf? Yes. Red Dwarf started in the 80s, and they had had triangular videotapes, right? Right. And when they relaunched (laughs) it after the CD age, and this is hysterical... They said that they brought these tapes back because CDs were inherently flawed because everybody kept losing them. And then they they just went on and then they're like, <laughs> this is why our future has this. That Futurama thing where, you know, in the year 3010, the wheel is lost technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows how to make a wheel anymore because they've got all the other stuff. That I That I think is the perfect way to try and deal with your future story is you leave yourself a little bit of farting room for, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but right, you can right. say something like, oh, well, the the cassette tapes came back because CDs were too easy to lose. Well, and not to not, well, I mean, somebody already brought up lightsabers, but that's part of, that was part of the brilliance of Star Wars. Right. Of not saying this is going to be the future of Earth, of saying this happens in a different place at a different time. And has no connection. So you can take all the futuristic stuff you want and dump all the stuff that you don't want. Exactly. Anything else? Are you watching Star Trek in the new Blu-ray release with the new graphics? Because if you go back and watch Star Trek The Next Generation and the way it was originally produced, I remember it being cool and awesome and look at that. And Mm -hmm. now I'm looking at, at those episodes and going, oh my God. Oh no no no! I'm I'm watching it on Netflix, which I'm pretty sure yeah, is yes. the old releases, mm-hmm. and you know things where Riker gets zapped by a beam, and he is in a stasis field, but literally there's no he's stasis just field. Standing there, he's and... just standing there frozen, and it's like, <laughs> wow, look at that! Look at that! <laughs> <laughs> but so you want you want me to go into what uh, the weird stuff? Yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. Okay, Real so quick. I started watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. There are these things I remember. And there are these things that I don't remember that are actually very important, at least in the first season. Um, so things I remember. Here's what Star Trek. Here's what I thought Star Trek: The Next Generation was. So there's Captain Picard, right? right? He has a spaceship. Mm-hmm. His crew is that v- attractive, dark-haired lady, that nosy doctor lady, mm-hmm. and then Worf, Geordi, and Data. And that's the first crew. Okay. Right? right? The whole crew. That's the entirety of the relevant characters in Star Trek. So I start watching it, and I'm like, 
who's this lady with the Ellen DeGeneres haircut? <laughs> and she's like important and she yeah, keeps yeah, yeah. showing up. And apparently Lieutenant Yar is important is, is a character. And she died. Oh, you spoiled it for me. Oh, you haven't seen that? No, part? I haven't gotten okay. that far. All right. It doesn't matter. I know that Ooh. eventually she leaves the show. Um, yeah, she eventually leaves the show, but right. comes back. Oh, oh and wait, with the spoilers. Spoilers. wait until she comes back. <laughs> Oh, Steven. wait until she comes back. So apparently, apparently, and then Picard plays a flute. What the show, what the show <laughs> actually is, is Captain Picard and Riker, and then Riker goes down to the planet, and then other things happen, and also a very important person named Wesley Crusher, which I, I <laughs> kid you, you not, him? I did not in any way remember. You know what? I the one aspect that i did remember of wesley crusher was that one where he accidentally falls on some plants oh yeah and yeah. then they have to kill they him. have the half naked people right right the half naked people are like he must die because he fell on some plants <laughs> apparently they're uh, from boston yeah um <laughs> so i remember that but weirdly i remember it as an original star trek episode oh because uh, i remember half naked people and i was like that's what the original star trek was yeah, was yeah. half naked people yeah, it was so I didn't remember any of the characters being there, largely because that's a big Riker and Lieutenant Yar episode, mm -hmm. clearly, um, and just did not remember any of that stuff happening. So I thought a lot about why it was that I remember it the way I remembered it, and clearly it's because of the following reasons. The, the way that the crew was, the way I remembered it, was clearly the main character, which right. is Picard, right. um, the two ladies mm -hmm. that I... Must have found attractive as right, a kid. As a kid. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, then... Right. And then... An android, a right. cyborg, and an alien. Yeah. And that's what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And there were a bunch of normal people kicking around who mm -hmm. were important. Yeah. But I didn't care about them. Yeah. Wesley Crusher saves the ship more often times than you can count. All, all of the time. And it's like every episode. And I can tell... like ha when Have I've, you met the big guy? The What's his name? Mr. Ohm or whatever? I don't think I've gotten that far. Okay. Um, but uh, like there were all these crazy things that I didn't realize. I didn't realize that the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation was the introduction of Q. Yeah, and I was like, why did anybody watch this show? Like, that is terrible. This is a terrible show. Yeah, but nineteen eighty six, eighty seven, or whatever, when that first came out, this was Star Trek that people hadn't seen in twenty years. Yeah, but and for Matthew and I, growing up, Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, whenever it was was Star Trek Rerun Day. Right. And they would play that one episode of Star Trek before Wild Wild West, and you sat down yep. and you watched that, mm -hmm. even if you had seen that episode 20 different times. So here is new Star Trek, right. and here is this omnipotent being that's right. casting out a bubble net that's really bad in CG, yeah. and it envelops this it's, new spaceship, it's, and it's, it's got literally this hot somebody, blonde girl. Somebody shining a flashlight on a Chex yeah, yeah, is yeah, what yeah, that yeah. grid is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but back then it wasn't bad. No, and I'm not saying that it was bad. I mean, it's remember, just, we're, we're dealing just... with, uh, what was that Fred Dreyer uh, TV show where he was like some super cop? Maybe it was called Super Cop. Um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we had. And what, are... was, what was the guy that, uh, uh, the guy that was with the, 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 the black sidekick guy in Predator that had his own TV show? Danny for... Glover? No, 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 not Danny Glover. Oh, no, the no, he one. was the main character. Yeah, he was the main cover character. Predator 2. 2. Uh, but the other one, uh, old football star. And black exploitation uh, movie star, uh, but he had his TV series. Gordon from Sesame Street. <laughs> yes, Gordon from <laughs> Sesame Street. There was like some. The, there was just crap on television back I in the nineteen eighties. And you know and, what? I mean, you had family. I mean, you had uh, 
what was the uh, the Fox show with Christina Applegate and uh, oh, married with Mar- children. you had married with children, children and you had. Uh, Parker Lewis can't lose, and you had. Will uh, you stop shooting down everything just because you didn't like it? No, I mean this is the stuff that we had. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's good but when you but get to what when I'm, you get to Star Trek, this was stuff that was good. What, what I'm getting at about Encounter at Farpoint is that every episode of Star Trek that I've seen since then is better than it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is just so over the top, like. We have grown past this. You cannot judge the human race by what we did in the 23rd century. If I remember correctly, they didn't know if they were going to make it past the first season. Mm-hmm. So they were putting they everything, put everything they could. Up front. And, uh, you know, Picard's coming from uh, the stage. Right. Uh, from William Shakespeare, yeah, William Shakespeare Theater and doing that right. stuff. Well, so, I mean, yeah, he's he is awesome. over the He's top. awesome. But it's like the story itself is like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do we open with omnipotent being or do we open with what the hell is a Klingon? Let's go with omnipotent <laughs> being. Right, 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 right. So it's, it's really sense. crazy. I yeah. mean, and here's the thing, like I've spent a lot of time complaining about stock plots mm-hmm. and how basically the second season of Legend of the Seeker is just a catalog of right. everything from I Love Lucy to you know, Dragnet to everything that you've seen before in TV. And so Star Trek, The Next Generation, there's a lot of that, but they always pull it off and they always do it really well. There is something about Star Trek, The Next Generation that despite the fact that a lot of it is the crew gets drunk or somebody gets mind control or somebody has their evil twin come in or somebody impersonates a member of the crew and they are evil, you know, and that is all, all of that happens on the first season. Mm Mm-hmm. There is something that despite all of that happening, it's actually still really good. You know, Lore is creepy, even though he is a classic. Is he in in season one? Season one. Wow, I don't remember that being season one. Classic, straightforward evil twin, and they totally pull it off. Yep. All right, And then they do it again later because they decided that season one was so awful that you could get away with just doing the issues episodes over again. Hmm. True fact. Okay, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for going over to Major Spoilers and supporting the cause either through a donation or buying something through our Amazon link or uh, buying one of those new Critical Hit Trail t-shirts over at SlashLoot.com. We appreciate all your support. And next time, we will be talking about the wonderful world of the future time machine. What is it, Rodrigo? Once Upon a Time Machine. Once Upon a Time Machine. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. And there's red vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose. I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Hulking green or gray I can just buzz through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat 
would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a gangster throwing soldier. Copyright 2012.